Welcome back to the Syracuse Football Podcast. I'm Stephen Bailey, joined as always by Julian Wiggum. Syracuse coming up on a matchup with NC State Thursday night, prime time in Raleigh. We're going to break all of that down, but before we dive in, I need you to go hit that subscribe button, Apple Store, Spotify, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Subscribe to us, give us five stars. Any local advertisers want to purchase uh, spots on our show, please call Dylan Carpenter at 315-470-6069. And yeah, we appreciate um, all of you listening. So let's dive in. Uh, interesting kind of show today. I think this is a really pivotal game. Two teams with some questions behind the offensive line. I think we'll see a lot of pressure. And, and two, three and two teams, I think, really need this win. And Julian, the more I kind of think about this game, the more I think that, that it's really important to SU's big picture. I think you could say that the season's success kind of hinges on it with a big pit game coming up next Friday night in the Dome, then a trip to Florida State. It's easy to see how a loss could kind of spiral or how a win could set them up to maybe be bowl eligible for the second bye week. You know, How do you kind of view this game in the big picture of the whole season? Yep, so I thought that this game would, in, in a similar manner, kind of determine what we can think about this team for the rest of the season and, uh, and, and how we understand them. For the most part, I agree. I think that this this game kind of hinges the season. Um, And my reasoning is generally because of what we've seen so far uh, from Syracuse in terms of uh, their offense and how they seem to be defeated with that odd front 3-3-5 and 3-4 defense is kind of mixing in uh, secondary players here and there to bring pressure and how that O-line will respond. I think that's going to be the biggest uh, determining factor about what kind of Syracuse football team we'll see for the rest of the year because the tape is out there. Teams know how to go after this offensive line, mixing in pressures, odd fronts, bringing bring in linebackers, bringing in secondary players, safeties, corners, whatever it takes to confuse this offensive line. And then and that shortens, one, Tommy DeVito's time to get the ball out. And then, two, it's also stifled the run game. So knowing that NC State is going to do very similar things in terms of that 3-3-5 and odd front look and what they're going to give Syracuse defensively, uh, I think this is going to be a, a huge game for them in terms of did they pick it up? Do they understand it? Can they adjust and adapt? Because if, if by this point in the season, if they can't and they find a way to lose this game the same way we've seen them lose to Clemson or Maryland, I think we're going to continue to see them lose in this in a similar fashion throughout the season because it's become something that they just cannot defend, whether it's a blitz off of the edge or finding a way to run the ball up the middle. If these things aren't happening this week, it's hard to expect them to ever happen because you've had the bye week. You've had... Uh, the FCS opponent. You have plenty of time to address these issues, and if they continue to reappear, it kind of tells you what this football team is and what to expect from them down the road because the tape will be out there. Teams will continue to use uh, a similar game plan to continue to win against Syracuse if uh, they, they seem to give up a lot of plays here uh, against an NC State. So, again, my thing is – I. I really do believe this is kind of the, the most pivotal moment, probably the biggest game of the Syracuse football season, just because it's such a huge indicator of how much this offensive line has come along, how how much this offense has learned, and can they adapt throughout the season? And they kind of, it's got to click at this point because, again, they've played the FCS team. They've had the time off, and 
with all these things hinging at, at this moment, you've got to find a way to make some plays, especially with the secondary uh, that NC State has banged up. You've got to find a way to get the ball out. got to find a way to take some shots downfield, open up this offense, because once you start to spread things out and things work on the outside, then it's the, on the interior, you're rushing plays and the run game starts to open up. So a lot of things, there's a lot of potential for this offense, but it's a matter of picking things up up front on the offensive line. And if they can't do that, uh, it, it's hard to see this Syracuse football team become successful uh, down the road. Yeah, you mentioned the banged-up secondary for NC State. We're going to get into that with Corey Smith of uh, Pack Pride, 247 Sports editor later in the show. Really good guy. Uh, has a lot of good insight for the Wolfpack. Uh, first, I wanted to talk a little bit about SU's offense. And, and You know, <laughs> they've had these issues up front, and now you've got a quarterback in Tommy DeVito who is not 100%. Yeah, he's good to go. He's going to play. But he's still going through regular treatment. You know, we don't have all the details on the upper body injury. But, man, NC State put up eight sacks in a loss to Florida State a couple weeks ago. So I guess, you know, my kind of question for you, Julian, is how how much harder does that make things when maybe you have a quarterback who's less willing to run like we saw him did against Western Michigan? I, I mean, it seems like they're already kind of playing with a hand behind their back with this line. Is there is there any hope if, if you know Tommy's kind of a wounded duck back there? <laughs> well, that's the thing is when you've got a quarterback who's playing hurt, your number one priority is to keep him protected. <laughs> and if you can't do that, there is you have zero chance of winning the game. So then that's that's the emphasis that for Coach Babers and Coach Cavanaugh, the offensive line coach, and this offensive line is finding a way to keep Devito upright. I mean, if you look at the offense and the way, and again, for all the people out there just who aren't uh, football nerds, uh, typically when you've got a quarterback who doesn't want to, is not keen to run the football, it's not his uh, immediate second option, he's going to read the field, he wants to sit back there and throw the football, and your offensive line can't protect him, you do two things. One, you either wide, you widen the gap of the offensive line. I can think of a few teams who've done that in the past. Wake Forest was a, uh, a team who done, had done it. NC State did it. Uh, Florida State did it last year and didn't quite work. Um, you spread all, out the offensive line and kind of widen those gaps and make them one-on-one situations, and you hope that you win across the board, uh, which I don't anticipate Syracuse doing. Or you move your quarterback outside of the pocket, play action pass, uh, just roll out, uh, finding ways to get him time, and then making it an easy one-two read, whether you're reading a linebacker or reading a safety and getting the ball to the open man versus zone or against man. Uh, in this instance, I anticipate Syracuse using a lot more motions. I, I anticipate uh, finding ways to get DeVito outside of the pocket to throw the football, making quick and easy reads when they get a blitz. Uh, to hotting receivers and knowing to go, whether it's if you've got a linebacker coming off of off the edge, finding a way to get a receiver in that open slot, or taking shots downfield against man coverage. It's, it's, it's a matter of, uh, one, taking advantage of experience at that quarterback position. You know you've got to get the ball out quickly if your offensive line isn't up to standard and hasn't played as well as you'd hope they'd be. It, DeVito has to understand that, no, okay, I've got to get the ball out quicker. Coach Babers has to know that, okay, I've got to get the ball out quicker. And then finding a way to take your shots downfield when you can to keep that defense honest. I mean, teams are bringing blitzes because receivers aren't getting separation against men. Uh, it, it all kind of compounds each other when it comes to the offensive woes this year. And when you start to get just a little bit of success, finding quick passes, whether they're screens, whether they're hot, finding ways to get the ball out of your quarterback's hand quickly can kind of nullify that defensive rush, whether it's coming from just three down linemen or a blitz. 
and then taking shots deep downfield to put more guys in coverage because of fear of their quarterback making plays uh, across the field. So you've got to find a way if you're Coach Babers and that offensive staff to, to make it easier on your quarterback, whether that's moving him outside of the pocket, getting the ball out of his hands quicker, and then pushing the defense back with the deep ball. You've got, it's got to be a layered response and a calculated move with great scouting and a great game plan uh, to be able to execute these things. Otherwise, you'll have a quarterback sitting back there with nowhere to go to the football, continuously taking hits. And that's when you run into a lot of problems. And when DeVito's getting hit, Syracuse's offense isn't very good. A lot of teams know this. A lot of fans know this. So, it's a matter of getting that ball out quickly and making plays. Uh, otherwise, Syracuse can be in for a long game. A few quick points to share there. You know, for what it's worth, the, the Wolfpack is without top cornerback Nick McLeod. He's missing his fifth straight game. And his backup actually got hurt against Florida State. So Tristan Jackson and Taj Harris might have some good matchups on the outside. But can you get them the ball? And you just touched a little bit on how Syracuse might try and do that. Obviously, more time helps. Uh, they spent a lot of time during the bye week working on pass protection. I talked with Carlos Vettorello, the redshirt freshman tackle, and he said the week after the Clemson game was really rough. Obviously, they, they got crushed with the overload blitzes out of the odd fronts, um, and they, they worked a lot on identifying them. And he actually thought they took a step forward against Western Michigan. And it might be something that we didn't see all of going on because I didn't think the Broncos brought a lot of pressure. You know, Carlos said that they did early on, and because Syracuse picked it up, they were a little more hesitant to bring it as the game went on. Obviously, Western Michigan and Holy Cross, not the same as some of the defenses. Syracuse will play in, in, in the ACC here. NC State at eight sacks against Florida State. They've got some some really athletic guys in the box that I think are going are gonna to cause some issues. Um, so I think we'll learn a lot about, about the front there. And then in regard to a running game, which Syracuse has not been able to generate this year, leading teams to usually sit back with two high safeties and, and dare them to run against a lighter box. I talked with Dakota Davis, um, the redshirt sophomore guard, another first-year starter, and he said they're really emphasizing lower pad level. I know that probably sounds obvious, uh, but those first few games, he said they really weren't getting down, and that was hurting them. And, you know, he attributed some of the success they've had against Western Michigan and Holy Cross, which has not been consistent success, to that. So the offensive line, like you said, is really hoping to turn a new leaf here at coming out of the bye week. Um, let's transition over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, a lot of different moving parts there. It looks like Andre Sisco and Afatu Malafonwu will not play on Thursday. Kind of a surprise. Dino Baber shared that in, in a bit of a frustrated um, press conference on Monday. McKinley Williams, senior defensive tackle, also likely out. You know, wh- what do you kind of want to see from this defense, Julian? And, and, and you know, where can they? I mean, clearly they're going to be relied on heavily over the back seven games of the regular season. Where is there room for improvement coming out of the bye week? I think the biggest key is run defense for Syracuse right now. I mean, so far, uh, teams have been able to rush the football well. It opens up a lot of other problems for Syracuse. And with the secondary, we've seen them as tackles. Uh, we've seen, the, and then, of course, the deep ball hitting. Uh, I want to see the defensive line get back to who they are, uh, edge rushing, uh, coming off of the edge and making plays. And then, of course, everyone goes after the linebackers. But I think they're a centerpiece here, and I would like to see them as well be able to pick up. Because uh, those two freshmen NC, from NC State, the running backs, are both very talented. I've seen them make uh, – 
play after play in those big games, those 20-plus yard plays, you start giving those up, and you're looking at looking at SU's defense this year. Once those big run plays start to hit, all of a sudden the rest of the offense just starts to start to take off. And I, I'm thinking of Maryland um, as I say this. So big key for Syracuse. I want to see the run game pick up a bit, uh, whether that's the defensive line and linebackers being their gaps or the secondary just being uh, in position to make a stop uh, in, or sometimes touchdown saving stops. It, that's been the biggest thing for me. I haven't seen this this defense absolutely below pass coverages or anything like that like we've seen in years past. I think they've been sound on the back end uh, for the most part, even uh, without Cisco or Malafon in the game. So I, I, my thing is finding a way to stop the run and then also bring, 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 getting back to that pass rush. Uh, Alton Robinson, Kendall Coleman, those guys, when they're, again, I, I say this all the time, and I'm, I, I'm actually getting upset with myself at this point. <laughs> when the defensive line plays well, so does the rest of this defense. It's just the way this this team is built. If the deep front four guys, if they're finding ways to get pressure, not necessarily getting sacked, but moving the quarterback off this spot, uh, finding ways to either force him to run the ball, which is still a good thing, or getting him off his keys and all of a sudden thinking about the pass rush on his, on his back shoulder, those are things that help your defense in terms of pass coverage. And when you don't have your starters in there and you don't have a big playmaker in there like an Andre Cisco who can take the ball away at any moment, you want to give yourself some advantages. So the key to doing that is moving the quarterback off the spot, filling up gaps against the run, not giving running backs anywhere to go. Uh, these are things that I think Syracuse gives up too often, letting quarterbacks get comfortable, letting running backs find holes, five, ten-yard chunk gains. Um, I think that's going to be their biggest point this week, finding ways to stop the run consistently. Obviously, linebackers are a big part of that. I'd love to see them play well, but I'm going to put the emphasis on that front four defensive line and the secondary to actually stop those long runs, those 15, 20, 25-yard run. I think we see too many, especially in Syracuse losses over the past few years, and we understand how big those big rushing plays can affect and can contribute to an offense and then affect the defense negatively. So I think the biggest key for Syracuse this week, finding a way to stop the run, forcing NC State to throw the ball, and then finding a way as a secondary, even without Cisco or Melifon, to make the plays on the football and go ahead and get the ball back to your, their offense. Yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I think er, those early down running situations are going to be critical, right? Because if, if they do start to hit on them, if NC State does, RPO and play action opens up, and then you kind of get into this situation where guys start anticipating and guessing, and the, you know that Maryland tape was, was filled with plays like that. Um, I will say this. There is some vulnerability on, on that side of the ball for the Wolfpack. They're going to be without starting right tackle Justin Witt. They've got a true freshman. They're shifting their line around starting at left tackle. So I'm, I'm sure he'll get help. But there should be some opportunity out there for Kendall Coleman and Alton Robinson uh, and really the whole front forward, depending on how NC State uses kind of its resources. They're also without sophomore running back Ricky Person. He's kind of the third guy in that three-headed attack. Um, the, the elder statesman of the three, maybe the best pass protector, having that experience. So you, you've got a guy making his first career start back there in redshirt sophomore quarterback Bailey Hockman, and he's two of his kind of most critical blockers aren't there. So can you force him into those third and long situations? And this is a guy unlike Matt McKay, who started the first five games, who, who is willing to sling the ball downfield. NC State has seen defenses pack the box and kind of dare them in, in – basically the opposite way teams have played Syracuse, to pass the ball. And now they've got a quarterback who's maybe more willing to do that. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, I think, in Raleigh, they hope that that's going to open things up and create a balanced offense. I think Syracuse is going to hope that 
you know, Hockman forces some passes in and an opportunistic back seven can take advantage and set the offense up. And, you know, to, to get back to the, to the big picture here, frankly, I think that's what Syracuse is going to need to do throughout the season. I mean, you're, yep. you know, how, you know how, before we get into fan questions and chat with Corey, like, is that how you see it, Julian? And how viable is that, you know, over the long term if the offensive line doesn't make some really quick improvements? Uh, well, yeah, if, if your offense isn't, isn't doing it, you're going to force your defense to all of a sudden become, you know, the staple of your football team and help you win games. Uh, I think this is a key spot for Syracuse and, and that defense because, again, if the offense doesn't find a way to figure this thing out and they're still giving up a lot of the same plays that they have all season long, whether that's uh, – quarterback not getting the ball out in time, not having enough time, offensive line letting guys through, rushing attack not being there, uh, guys being off in terms of the passing game. If those things, if those inconsistencies are consistent throughout the year and you're constantly struggling as an offense and you're starting to rely on that defense, yes, you're going to have to ask your best players to make plays on a regular basis, if not more uh, than usual. I, I can remember back in 2014, it's my junior season, uh, Terrell Hunt was still our quarterback. Uh, we were trying to figure out things on offense still. Things were sputtering. Uh, not quite where we wanted to be a, as a unit on that side of the ball. I can remember Chuck Buller pulling us aside, and it was it was three guys. Uh, we had, who was it, Michael Robinson at def- on, on defense, uh, uh, Luke uh, Arcinega, who was the captain that year, and then he pulled me aside with, with Rell and said, guys, we need – playmakers on this side of the football we're not expecting to score 35 42 points a game we need guys to take the ball with Dyshawn Davis as well I'm sorry just kicked in my head but we need guys to take the ball away we're hunting we're trying to make plays we we've got to put an emphasis on taking the ball away and then all of a sudden he went on to tell us that hey take it's okay to take more risks in terms of getting after the ball if you can punch it out punch it out. If you can strip it, strip it. If you feel like you're in coverage and you can go for the football, go for the football. Our coaches were encouraging us to make more plays and go become more aggressive than we may have usually played because we knew that our offense may not give us those 35, 42 points that we may need in, in regular ACC play to win football games. So you're certainly, as a coach, um, and as fair as a fan, to ask your best players, your star players, hey, can we get a little bit more from our secondary? Can we get a little more from our defense? Because you're going to have to ask for it if there's still a lot of youth on the offensive line and you're struggling and you can't seem to find uh, consistent offense like Syracuse is so uh, accustomed to these last few years. So, And I'm not, I'm not, I am not. don't think it's wrong to do that either. You've got players. I think I just saw a uh, report the other day talking about uh, Alton Robinson being a, a first-round pick on, on, on a few scouts. Uh, radar. So it's not wrong to ask your t- most talented guys for more, to play more aggressively, to, to to say, hey, go out there and try to look for the sack or look for the sack fumble rather than just securing the sack. You know, it, it's it's okay to ask your, your star players to do these things. And I think as a defense, that mentality has to be embraced by all 11 guys and even a few of the key backups as well, because you're not sure what you're going to get with this offense yet. They haven't proven very much to you. You're not sure if they're going to they're gonna be able to get the ball out downfield. You're not sure if the rushing game is going to be there. But you can be sure of what you can do. You can get offenses off the field in three downs. You can uh, take the football away. You can hit the quarterback. Well, not you can't hit them that hard anymore, <laughs> I guess. But 
You know, these things you have to do uh, and emphasize to help your team. And if you're slanted one way uh, talent-wise, and I think this year it happens to be on defense, take what you got. Use your defenses, use your stars, and do make the most of your of your talent and what you have. So uh, I don't think it's wrong to ask your defense for more. I've seen it in the past. I've seen uh, great teams uh, become defense. Great offensive teams become great defensive teams. So I think in this instance uh, for Syracuse, yes, I think they do have to rely on the defensive line and that secondary uh, to be playmakers for the rest of the season because we don't know what kind of offense we're going to get week to week. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's about creating more plays than you give up. And, uh, you know, frankly, we'll see how it goes. Um, all right, let's uh, dive into a conversation with Corey Smith, editor for Pack Pride, the uh, NC State affiliate for 247sports.com. Corey, how's it going? Doing good, man. How are you, Steven? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, before we get into the football, I, I, I would be mad at myself if I didn't start with the food. Um, you know, you, you put yourself right in the top of my book last year, recommending old time barbecue for me, had been going to the pit. Uh, now I'm kind of really looking forward, um, to the local spot. And before we started, you told me that you actually got your face up in old time. I, I wouldn't be a journalist if I wasn't asking, you know, how did you manage to pull that off? Yeah, it was actually, uh, we've been going there for years. I say we, me and my dad, I've been going there for years, probably, you know, dating back to when I went to NC State, this was, you know, back in the late, you know, I think it was probably over a decade ago now at this point. Uh, you know, we just started going there and, and started getting to know all the people there and knew the owner. Uh, we loved them to death. Ben that's taken over as the, the old owner's son. Uh, and they invited us to their 25th anniversary. They were just having special guests come, you know, that, that they knew really well uh, come in and, and every single person that was there, they had they took a picture of every single person, and uh, we just thought they would take pictures for you know like Facebook or Instagram or something along those lines. And then lo and behold, the next time we go in there, uh, right next to the booth that we usually sit at was uh, our picture up above the bar. So uh, that was that was a pretty cool moment, and uh, one of those things where you know anytime I walk in there with my my kid, I have a three year old now, so she doesn't quite understand. But you know we walk in there and she sees it and. She's like, oh, it's dad, dad, and grandpa, so it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I hope someday to uh, to have my face up on the walls of my favorite dining establishments. I think that's, as a journalist, <laughs> I think anyone can kind of look forward to that. Um, so for Syracuse fans going down to Raleigh this weekend, go to Old Time uh, for lunch or dinner one day, maybe maybe before the game on Thursday. Um, then another spot you'd, you'd recommend for uh, people coming into town? I mean, if you want to stick with barbecue, the pit is it is always pretty good. Uh, there's a couple places downtown as well that are really good. Um, I'm trying to think here. Let's see. There's really one that I love if you want to go the, the chicken route. Uh, it's a place called Beasley's uh, Chicken and Honey. And if you need to go there for breakfast the morning after, they have great chicken and waffles. Uh, that is, that's one of my favorite spots to go to if I'm, if I'm in downtown Raleigh. So that's, that's always a good one to stop by and, and get that for breakfast. And then you can obviously get some coffee, stuff like that. So. Oh yeah, all right. We'll we'll probably be there Friday morning then. That's great. I love the Thursday night game because I get to fly in the afternoons. I don't have to get up really early um, Wednesday and Friday. So thanks for that. Uh, all right, yeah. let's talk some ball. Um, quarterback situation. Bailey Hockman is going to start. Uh, he came in for Matt McKay for most of the Florida State game. You know, I guess what can you kind of tell us about him and and 
what is Dave Doran hoping to get out of this change? Well, you know, with the things that they saw in him was, you know, he came in and, and made some throws that they wanted to see, made some good downfield throws. Uh, the issue that, that they ran into, and, and they've constantly ran into with Dave Doran, is the fact that he does not want to have a quarterback that's in there that he feels is going to, you know, make silly decisions with the football. He's going to, you know, potentially throw interceptions or, you know, make this, try to extend plays when he shouldn't be extending plays. And, you know, sometimes you have to live with what you have as a college quarterback, and, and that's kind of what they have in Bailey Hockman and even Devin Leary, the guy that's now playing the backup role. You know, Matt McKay was a little bit more of a safe choice. He was a guy that they felt really good about, had the seniority, uh, came in for five games and, you know, played well, but never made the downfield throws, couldn't expand the offense. Uh, they struggled in the running game because teams were loading up the box because they knew any any throw was going to be on a short route. So uh, they basically were – their hands were forced against Florida State. And Bailey Hockman came in. He played well, like I said, some overthrows, uh, some, some really close plays where, you know, if they complete passes, they end up getting the ball a little bit further down the field and they can convert some touchdowns. But the issue that they've been running into is, is not being able to stretch out the offense and – uh, they have that with Bailey Hockman. Now, again, as I mentioned, Devin Leary now being the backup, there's been some push from the entire fan base as well as, uh, you know, Doran even said uh, after this past week of practice that Devin Leary has progressed really well. Uh, but to this point, you know, we're seeing Bailey Hockman being number one. Devin Leary uh, might even get some snaps in this game regardless of how Bailey Hockman's doing. Uh, but well, that is yet to be seen. Uh, Dave Doran is not going to show his hand, as he mentioned yesterday, uh, somebody asked about that, and he said, I'm not going to tell you about my game plan. I don't want Syracuse to know it as well. Yeah, sharp coaching there. Um, well, whoever is going to be <laughs> be under center and whoever is kind of in there is a little shorthanded. Uh, running back Ricky Person out. I believe a starting offensive lineman is also out. Right tackle Justin Witt. Um, you know, what, can, what can you tell us kind of about NC State's injury situation on offense and, and how does that maybe affect the big picture of, of what the, the group as a whole can do? Yeah, so both those guys are the recent ones. Ricky Person being out, uh, obviously a huge blow for NC State. He's the only guy that, that is technically a sophomore running back for this entire team. They have a redshirt freshman uh, in Trent Penix as well, uh, but he's the only guy that's actually a sophomore running back. Everybody else is a true freshman or uh, redshirt freshman. So he had some experience uh, against ACC opponents, and they lose him against Florida State. Uh, so he's going to be a big blow for NC State. They they feel good about where Donovan Knight um, as well as Jordan Houston, a guy that's actually from the Maryland area. So up near, around where you guys are from, a little bit closer to, to y'all than us. So mm-hmm. uh, he's a guy that has been running really well for NC State. He's averaging over seven yards per carry. Some of that was in a little bit of mop-up duty against lesser teams, but uh, he's played really well. Actually got the, the start against Florida State. Uh, and Justin Witt is a guy that's going to be out. Uh, you're going to see a true freshman starting in that spot at Kim Aquanu. Uh, which is a mouthful to just call him Icky. Uh, he's a he's been a really good player so far this year. Coming in as a true freshman in the fall, did not come in as an early enrollee, uh, and immediately just started pushing for that spot and became the the backup to uh, the right tackle, which is Emmanuel McGirt, uh, who's a a redshirt uh, senior a guy that's been there in the program for five years and was immediately a backup to him. So. Uh, they started shorthanded, though, even before the season started with Tyrone Riley, the guy that was supposed to start uh, in, in Emmanuel McGirt's spot. 
he's out for the season uh, after uh, fall camp, and then they lose C.J. Riley, a guy that was supposed to be their, you know, their their big play wide receiver, the number two receiver next to Mecca Amezi. Uh, he was expected to be that that guy for them, a home run threat, the fastest guy on the entire team, uh, and he goes down with an injury to his knee before the season really gets started in the first half of the first game. So uh, they've been handcuffed since the very beginning on offense. And then the defensive side of the ball, uh, they're still going to be without a guy, Nick McLeod, who is their number one corner, a guy that's supposed to be guarding every single number one receiver that they're facing. And they've had to put Chris Ingram in that role, a guy that has struggled in the past but has played well to this you know, to this point in the season with the exception of facing Tamarion Terry against Florida State, which – Everybody has struggled against Terry on Terry in the ACC play over the last two years. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how well he plays this coming up week because he's a guy that they really need to play well if they're going to be able to beat Florida or Florida State. They're going to be able to beat Syracuse uh, this coming up Thursday. Sure. So so there really are a lot of parallels between these two teams because I look at Syracuse's offense. You got a banged up quarterback in Tommy DeVito behind a young line without one of its starters. Um, obviously, NC State kind of a similar situation, and, and even without you know top running back, pass protection is a question. So I know Syracuse's defense is fairly pressure oriented. Allen Robinson and Kendall Coleman both accomplished edge rushers. I'm sure the game plan is going to be to get after Bailey Hockman and, and, and take away the run and, and hopefully force some mistakes. And on, on the flip side, you know what are you expecting NC State's defense to do to kind of come after? Um, you know, a wounded offensive line and a quarterback who's probably playing hurt. Uh, the exact same way you just described. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it's it, this this defense uh, played really, really well in spots against Florida State two weeks ago, which I keep going back to Florida State. That was the one real test they've had in ACC play outside of, you know, West Virginia during non-conference play. But uh, that was just a game that you have to scrap because, again, that was Matt McKay under, you know, under center in that game. Uh, but, you know, when I look at what this defense is going to do, the, the big thing that they want to focus on, again, as you mentioned, is getting pressure to the quarterback. They were able to do that against FSU. They forced eight sacks in that game. Uh, I believe, if I remember correctly, Lorel Murchison, guy that plays defensive tackle but has been moved out to defensive end a little bit uh, in the three-three-five system that they employ. Uh, he played really well in that game, three-and-a-half sacks in that game alone. He has five sacks on the season. Uh, for NC State, and then you know they've had a lot of different young guys that have been put into the system as well. Savion Jackson, a guy that's a true freshman, Alim McNeil, a guy that's a sophomore for this team. Uh, all of those guys have played really well to this point, uh, and they they ended up coming away with sacks in that game too. Uh, and then another guy to watch too is James Smith Williams, uh, a true uh, a guy that is a true leader for this team. He wears the number one jersey. NC State hands out the number one jersey each year to a guy that is their biggest leader in the you know on the entire team, whether it's offense or defense. Uh, Jalen Samuels wore it two years ago before he went to uh, the Steelers, and you know it's just a, a guy that ends up you know kind of uh, embodying everything that the program stands for. And he was a guy that missed two games due to injury. He came back against Florida State. You didn't see him really at, at full force in that one. I expect to see him have a much better game in this one, uh, and him alongside Larell Murchison is a, a really strong super NC State. Appreciate that. We've seen Syracuse struggle a bit against odd fronts. Obviously, Clemson gave them trouble um, bringing some pressures, and, and Maryland, too, even before that. So I'll be interested to see you know, what kind of pressures uh, the Wolfpack kind of dials up and, and, and if Syracuse is able to pick them up. Uh, we'll get you out on this one. Uh, it seems like George McDonald, the former SU offensive coordinator, has, has done pretty well for himself 
in Raleigh's co-OC, wide receivers coach. Um, just kind of curious, you know, how have you kind of seen him come along these last few years? And, um, you know, yeah, how's he doing? Yeah, George, you know, the greatest thing that he's brought to NC State has been the development of the wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you had guys like Kelvin Harmon, Jacoby Myers that are both now in the NFL. Uh, you have several that have, have played really, really well and unfortunately gone down due to injuries like Steph Lewis uh, last year that was, that was a big game player for them. Uh, and you've seen a Mecca Mezzi that I talked about a little bit earlier. He's a guy that's really progressed well uh, and, and to this point is now their top receiver. So, uh, you know, the big thing that he's brought to NC State has been from a developmental standpoint. He's been a really good recruiter for the team as well. Uh, and, yes, you know, he's taken over a little bit. As, he's taken over uh, as a co-offensive coordinator alongside Des Kitching. Uh, and, you know, the, there's been some questions about what the play calling is, you know, what direction the play calling is going in uh, here lately. But I think some of that has to do with the quarterback play. And I think once that picks up, uh, you'll see a little bit different in terms of, uh, you know, where the offense is heading. So I know, I know some, you know, George McDonald was the offensive coordinator there for, I believe one year, right? Yeah. One year. And I believe he was, he was demoted five games into his second season. Yeah. It didn't go particularly well. So, He's hoping the second stint will go a little bit better. But like I said, you know, everything that he's done from a progression standpoint of the players that he's brought in and, and really developed them, I think has been a huge strong suit for him. Now he has to really be able to prove himself as an offensive coordinator again, even if it's in a co-offensive coordinator role. Yeah, it's been interesting to kind of monitor. And, uh, you know, hopefully at some point, uh, you know, he'll, he'll come on and talk about it because it was, it was, it was rough while he's here. And it, uh, it is cool to see him doing well. Uh, all right. Thanks so much for your time, Corey. We really appreciate it. All right, Stephen. I really appreciate it, man. I look forward to seeing you this coming up week. Yes, sir. All right. Thanks again to Corey. Really appreciate him coming on. We are going to do some quick fan questions and then predictions. All right. From Well Loren, Dino seemed agitated this week in his presser. Could the health of key contributors be the reason? Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think it's kind of a snowball effect here where this was supposed to be the year that Syracuse broke out. Uh, and obviously they did They did that last year. They were ahead of schedule winning 10 games in 2018. And now they're kind of in a situation where a lot was expected of them and a lot has kind of gone wrong. The injuries to Sam Heckle and McKinley Williams have hurt. Obviously Andre Sisko and Afatu Malafanu out now. And, and Tommy DeVito behind a banged-up offensive line is dealing with an upper body injury. So I think that's all just kind of snowballed. You look at the 2020 recruiting class. Looks like they're taking a small step backward despite winning 10 games last year. Um, I just think I see all of this, all of these small things kind of snowballing. And rec- recruiting's not small, but, you know, I think we saw Dino kind of Show a little bit of that where um, we may see more of it if they lose to NC State. But I also, you know, we talked about this being kind of a, a game that the season hinges on. I can also see it going the other way where, where they do get a win and maybe you get some guys back and maybe the offensive line takes a step forward and, and all those things. So, um, you know, that was kind of my take on it. Uh, from Turnpike Mike, which positions will we most likely see newer contributors getting reps at over the next couple weeks? Tackle, linebacker, wide receiver maybe. Um yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Patrick Davis get some run at right tackle. Dino kind of hinted there could be a change on the O-line. Uh, he played the fourth quarter against Western Michigan. 
excuse me, Holy Cross. Uh, Michael Jones, another guy who could play. He's been a second-team linebacker. Uh, could maybe get a couple drives for Andrew Armstrong on the weak side. You know, I don't think we're going to see a new face at wide receiver. Um, Courtney Jackson was pulled off of the two deep. He was kind of the co-backup at one of the slot receiver spots, but he really only played in the Holy Cross game. So I think they're kind of rolling with who they've got now. Um, and one more from Mike Vidala. It's not really a question, but people whining about our QB should take note of the quandary created when your successor isn't ready at all. Our guy is further along. Our guy in Tommy DeVito is further along uh, than Matt McKay and, and now Bailey Hockman over at NC State. Ryan Finley was dominant like Eric Dungy. It's tough the next year. Do you kind of see that, Julian, as a little bit of dose of perspective for the people calling out Tommy? Well, hey, look over on the other side. You know, they've, they're considering – they're already playing a second guy who's, who's saw, seen some action this year. And redshirt freshman Devin Leary might play too. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that it's difficult uh, making that transition at quarterback, uh, no matter who you are, whether you're Alabama or Syracuse, changing from one quarterback to the next. Uh, there's always some growing pains here there. Maybe not so much Alabama from uh, Hurts to two and won a national championship. Maybe I'm tripping there. But <laughs> uh, it, there's certainly a little bit of growing pains um, in terms of when you go from one quarterback to the next, especially when their styles are so different. You're going from a quarterback who was really run first. You make a read and then decide he wants to take off uh, versus a guy who wants to sit in the pocket, uh, make his reads, have time. And when you don't have the, the things around him to help, I mean, it, it makes it difficult, especially if you're a, a first-year guy. You want to put him in the best uh, best situation to succeed, and usually that means having a great offensive line and a rushing game to rely on when he's not quite up to par. And he, Tommy DeVito hasn't had those things. And I think playing the quarterback position, you get much more blame than you deserve and a lot more praise than you deserve. And in this instance, it's much more blame than he deserves. I think that this is a truly a unit-wide problem uh, when it comes to this offense and why things seem uh, to be slower than usual, why they aren't as productive as usual. I think the rushing attack uh, could be better. Uh, receivers on the outside could be better. And obviously the offensive line could be better. These are all things that are difficult to adjust to. And when you've got a new quarterback in there trying to take the reins and, uh, you know, take control over uh, a wild beast here that, that really hasn't been consistent at all in any parts of their game, um, it's hard to just con- just blame one guy and one quarterback. Uh, so, so certainly uh, I don't think the criticism for uh, Tommy DeVito is, is truly warranted, especially considering uh, what we've seen him do when he has the time, when he has the athletes on the outside. The guy has a beautiful arm. Um, I think he's uh, a poised quarterback who can make his reads. I, I truly believe he's someone who can go from option one to two to three and check it down if necessary when he has the time. Um, I think the skill set is there. It's just a matter of putting things around him uh, that allowed him to, to, to shine. A quarterback needs his resources. Anyone will tell you that. So in this instance, absolutely, uh, there are going to be growing pains with a quarterback when you're making a change and when you don't have uh, the help necessary to help him grow and succeed. It's definitely not going to be the picture uh, that you want to see. And I thought this offensive line would have been much better coming into the year. I thought the experience um, at the positions that they had would help to coach up those guys on the outside and bring them along. And that hasn't been the case so far. Um, and it's been a big reason why Syracuse hasn't played up the standard. But you certainly can't blame uh, one guy for a unit-wide problem on the offense. Yeah, and uh, I am interested to see how Tommy how Tommy looks on Thursday health-wise and, and if he's limited at all throwing the ball. We obviously saw him underthrow the deep ball to Taj before he came out 
of the Holy Cross game. All right, let's hit on some predictions. NC State currently a four-and-a-half-point favorite, which means it's close to a pick em on on neutral turf here. Um, you know, I, I'm picking NC State. I'm going to say 31-27. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to be an ugly game. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I have a heart. If, if it was in the Dome, I think I might pick SU. But until the offensive line shows me that it can really protect Tommy DeVito, and, and until Tommy proves that, you know, he can throw, you know, he's he's healthy enough to throw the deep ball, I just I, I can't quite can't quite pick it. So uh, so I got the pack in this one. Yeah, I'm gonna take the pack as well. Uh, just off the fact that this is a road game um, and the inconsistencies on offense, I think are gonna uh, hinder Syracuse once again. I, I, you can't put everything on the defense quite yet at this point, especially with the injuries that they have uh, to Cisco, Melifonwu. So I'm going to go with NC State. I'm going to say it's a close game, 24-21, but just can't pull it out for Syracuse this week. Um, Looking forward to seeing what DeVito can do, how much that injury uh, hinders him as well, like you were saying. Can he 